Welcome to the Be Nice Andy podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Be Nice Andy podcast, a sports podcast for the people. My name is John Lee. And I'm Andy Benzowitz. And uh, today, I have the pleasure of introducing our first guest call into the show, a former college football teammate of mine at Western Connecticut State University, where we as teammates won a conference championship together, along with a playoff win uh, in that 2001 season. So this guy was a second-team all-conference player in a season before he was even a full-time starter, and a first-team all-conference uh, player two years in a row as not only a kick returner, but also a Back. Uh, all this after being all state in in high school in a state where there's a ton of big time football talent, being New Jersey. Uh, so Jeff Wakefield Ward, welcome to the show. We're extremely happy to have you. Uh, a fellow big time Cowboys fan on the line. Uh, <laughs> sometimes I get beat up a little bit, obviously traveling coast to coast growing up in the northeast where i'm sure you got beat up just as much as i did growing up you know trying to be a cowboys fan but first and foremost how did i do with the introduction was that all right hey, listen i appreciate you guys having me you 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 made me sound better than i think i really was even though i i i i'll, I'll, I'll pat myself on the back i was pretty i was pretty good but i got to play with some great guys in college and my freshman year you and Boucher and all those guys made me feel comfortable so that's what led to that great freshman year and and good college careers that you guys later foundation for me taught me how to lead taught me how to play made me feel comfortable and I was good from there you know what I mean so I appreciate you guys and I appreciate you having me absolutely so yeah it was real exciting obviously those were some of the best teams uh in West Con history uh football wise you know went to uh an ECAC playoff game which mm -hmm. uh that was probably the um saddest season in terms of um we probably deserved to go a little bit further that year but then also uh that that 2001 season where obviously it was great getting a chance to actually get into the playoffs and make a little bit of a run um, and, uh, you know, do some some great things. But now they're actually – the Westcon team is looking pretty good this season. I'm not sure if you've been following, but starting off 4-0 and, and uh, looking like they're finally getting some uh, national rankings love. I'm not sure if they've cracked it yet, but I know that they're at least in the conversation getting some votes. So Listen, I know, I, know, I know last year they had a back that made the ESPN top 10 because he had a play and everything like that. And then they have a quarterback that's playing in Canada right now that's doing really well. So the, the, the West, what WCSU is doing very well right now, man. They're, they're they're definitely, they're definitely picking up the tradition from when we left off and we left that place back in 2000, 2001. Absolutely. It's real exciting to see it. So before we get into a little bit of NFL discussion, so just a couple of things that I like to, a couple of questions that I like to, so that uh, we know exactly who we're talking to. So I know that back in the day, at least when I was at WestCon, and I didn't, sadly, I didn't get to stick around for your entire WestCon career because I was one of the older guys, like you had mentioned. But uh, if you could look back as a younger player, who was the one player, I guess, that growing up kind of maybe tilted you to, you know, become the type of running back, wide receiver that you turned out to be a kick returner and all that? Was there one player that you kind of watched when you were a kid? And, it's, uh, funny. Kind of it's funny. Around? It's funny you say that. I mean, obviously being a Cowboy fan, but the name that I'm going to drop, uh, the casual football fan probably doesn't know. I kind of modeled my game after two guys, and one of them actually was an eagle, and I'm actually pissed off to have to admit that over the air. <laughs> but Eric Metcalf for the, for the Cleveland Browns back in the day was one of the first guys that did both. He was a running back slash wide receiver. When he came out of college, he was a running back. Um, they, they put him at wide receiver. When he finished his career, he finished his career as a wide receiver. Um, and then the, the, eagle that, the eagle that I absolutely, absolutely loved was Ricky Waters. I mean, a, 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 the kind of guy that could run the ball. He could he, well, obviously play with San Francisco as well. But he could okay. run the ball. He could catch the ball. He, my dad always told me to be a good back. You, you, you got to make them not take you off the field. And so I took pride in, in learning how to catch. I tried to take pride in blocking 
blocking. But since I wasn't that good at blocking, I, okay, I didn't really want to block. So I figured if I become a very good wide receiver, then instead of taking me off the field on third down, they'll at least motion me out into the slot. Or, you know what I mean? And it's funny because that's the kind of back that's out, that, that's in bold nowadays. If you're a running back that can that can run and catch, that's what these colleges want. And, and my era before that, you know, they wanted running backs that, you know what I mean, got the ball 30 times a game and pounded three yards in a cloud of dust. And you know, as well as I know, I was never that guy, but I was effective. You know what I mean? Big plays. Um, like I said, catches, catches out the backfield. My freshman year, I had two touchdowns. One was an 82-yard catch and one was a 82-yard run, 80-yard touchdown run. I, I don't know if you remember, King's Point, oh, I, I had a 93-yard touchdown call back and I had 163 yards and three touchdowns that day. I remember. Trust me, there's no way I forget that. So that's what I remember, especially as you coming in as a freshman and getting on the field as a, as a freshman because you did play quite a few snaps as a freshman. I know you got involved in special teams, but also that's kind of what I remember specifically about you. So when, when I, you know, ask you that question, obviously it's kind of uh, going into, you know, if there was a current player today, you know, who would you see? But you actually look very similar to almost a, a more durable version of like what these teams try to do in the NFL with like third down back. So kind of like almost like an Elvin Kamara, like guys like that. That's, that's the type of game that I remember from you is being able to kind of split out. And, yep, That's exactly. exactly what I was about to say to you. In today's game, I, I model more of a, a Alvin Kamara, um, a Jamal Charles. I was, I'm in that kind of mode where I'm a where we're all, well, Kamara's actually a big dude. He's over 200 something pounds. Um, right. Jamal Charles was more like me as far as body type, 5'10", about 190, 195. Kamara's in that 210, 215 range. That's what makes him special. But what me and him had in common is we're slippery. When you got your hand, when people had their hands on me, I kind of was, I'm good with my body and was kind of able to wig a lot of things. And once you turn it into a foot race, that's what I wanted it to be. You know what I mean? So if you don't get me down on that initial tackle and you give, let me get going, that's where all those big plays came from. My first, my first, my first carry, my first touchdown for Westcom was the 86 yarder. It was literally, it was it was literally up the middle. It was up the middle. The guy the guy grabbed my arm like to try to tackle me. I kind of like sw- swung him off, and then it became a foot race. And back in two, back back between 90, 1990 and two thousand and three, I probably never lost a race in my life. So yeah, oh I remember. <laughs> so I, I absolutely remember <laughs> for sure. So. Like I said, uh, so before we start getting into uh, some of our other topics, like I said, wanted to touch a little bit on WestCon, give our listeners a little bit of a background, obviously, on you. I'm sure a lot of them will be familiar, especially if they followed WestCon football at all in their lives. But uh, so at this point, I'm going to pass it over to John Lee, and he's going to kind of kick us off into uh, our scheduled topics for the night. Thanks, Andy. Yeah, so Jeff, we uh, we love to go over, and I think you're a perfect guest for this. We have this weekly segment where we go over the state of the Cowboys, and um, it's a good <laughs> week to talk about the Cowboys. You guys come off this great win, me being a betting guy. I thought you guys were uh, heads and shoulders better than the, the Lions. I was surprised it's that close, albeit it turned out to be a pretty dramatic game. Great ending for you guys, of course. Um, how do you guys feel about your Cowboys, especially after that win last week? You know, I'm kind of, and my fellow Cowboys fans, especially Jeff, uh, have a tendency to get a little frustrated with me because I'm one of the fans where I love the Cowboys. I love them till the day I die. But if I feel like they're in a position where they're not going to be, you know, big time Super Bowl contenders, they're not going to be primed to like make a big time playoff run. 
I'd rather have them just kind of like blow it up and, and we agree on that. So we do agree on that. I think, I think that's where I'm at. So I, I was watching this game and it's still early in the season. So I'm kind of like, I could go either way. I mean, I could fall off. I could completely fall off, um, off the roof or I could kind of jump back in. So right now, two and two, no, they beat a team, the Lions, who I kind of feel like on their worst day, the Cowboys should beat the Lions. And I know that they've been decent this season. But I guess what I'm looking for from the Cowboys was, can they get back to the type of things that they do really well? And can they kind of run that game? Can they basically control the game enough to, to prove to me that they're in it to win it this season? And from my perspective, I felt pretty good about some things and I felt bad about others. So to me, Dak Prescott looked a little bit better this week. Uh, he didn't miss as many throws. He's still... He still missed a few, but I'm still not. I'm still not completely sold. And he missed a couple shots in the end zone. He had a couple dropped in the end, uh, you know, in the end zone and downfield. So I'm going to give Dak a little bit of a pass this week, but it doesn't change my overall feelings on him. The one thing that I really want to kind of stress, though, is that finally we're seeing Zeke get his 25 plus touches, and this Dallas Cowboys team is built to be successful when he gets the ball in his hands. He's our best player. He's by far our best offense player. It's not even close. And and it basically highlights the one thing that we have really focused our team around, which is that offensive line and bullying teams. So we get Ezekiel Elliott out there, you know, basically running the ball. And I, I forget exactly how many carries he had in this game, but I believe he had like 260-something uh, total yards, which obviously I, I think he's capable of almost doing that every week. So that's where I'll kind of stay. I'm happy with that. I don't think our defense was great. We got the win. I'm still, I'm still in. I can still see us hopefully make in a potential run this year, but I don't know. I'm going to pass it off to Jeff right now. What were your thoughts, I guess, on this specific game? Well, just to back you up on what you said, Zeke had 25 carries for 152 yards. He was targeted four times, and all four times he caught him and had 88 yards there. So, we got to feed Zeke. I mean, everybody sees the memes and his motion every time he gets the first down of the feed Zeke, feed Zeke. I'm of the mindset, feed Zeke. Um, as far as the Cowboys as a whole now, uh, whew, I had to take a deep breath. I, I, how I explain it to people is we have an eight-win defense and we have a two-win offense, which equals out to be about a six and ten team. Um, things like yesterday make me excited. Things like the Bryce Butler pickup, I'm not poo-pooing yet because I think that can make a difference. I know people are like, oh, Bryce Butler, but if you remember, Bryce, Bryce Butler and Dak always have had a rapport. And so in past seasons, even in our best seasons, we would ask, why, isn't, why aren't we playing Butler more or throwing it to Butler more? From what I've seen today, I, I think they demoted Terrence Williams. I think Bryce, Bryce Butler is going to get the start this week, and then we put everything around that. And I'm not saying we need to go pass happy. If we can keep Dak under 20 attempts and we keep feeding Zeke, I'm with that. Now, the reason why you're starting to see Zeke play and get his carries and everything like that, if you go back, I don't know if either one of you guys have a computer in front, if you go back and look at his pictures from camp in the first two games, he wasn't in shape at all. He was he didn't come into camp in good shape at all, which you would think he would, especially after last year not being able to play most of the season. But he came into camp a little bit overweight, and you can see this this week that he has some of his explosion back. He was he was he was he looked back at his regular game weight. He looked like the regular Zeke. They said he's getting a little bit banged up with his knees and ankles, but at this point, I think we just need to just feature him and 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 run. I, we got we have to. We have to. That's what we have, and and play everything off of that. So he's tough. So yeah. Yep. So Saturday, I mean Sunday. Yes, it was good to get the win. Am I one of those guys? One of those crazy Cowboys fans? Yeah, we're back and we're gonna make the playoffs and win twelve. No, nah, I'm not there.
there yet at all. We need to still get things together on our on our offense. Our defense, Lee, Lee's hurt now, which he's always hurt, but that's why we drafted Leighton Van Der Esch. So hopefully he steps in. He's been stepping in. last last The week before last, he had 11 tackles when he came in in, a, in spot duty for Lee. This week he ended up having close to nine tackles after he came in and, and, and started playing for Lee. So my defense, I'm happy about. My offense, I worry about. But as long as he can stay healthy and we can feed him and work everything off of that, I, I, I think we can... I think we can. I think we can actually be first or second place in our division because I don't see anybody else separating. I'm not impressed by the Eagles. No one's impressed by the Giants, and the Redskins are the Redskins. So, I mean, you right. guys tell me what you think. Yeah, for sure. So we'll get back. Well, I've got a few more specific questions for you in regards to some of that. So you're not completely off the hook yet. But John, did yep. you have anything specific you wanted to add to any of our comments there? Yeah. So sort of agree about Zeke. I mean, I, I have been looking at him specifically, but I do feel like there's this less of an emphasis on the preseason. So I think I think Michael Wilbon he, he he says it often where like people used to take preseason more seriously. More seriously. So yep. they'd be ready by game one, game two. Where now I think fearing injury, just how much money they pay the players where they're taking off preseason. So now you're substituting the first two or three regular season games and players are starting the whole, to look I think, I ready. Think, I, think, I think you could say the whole month of September, that's what they're using. I think most teams want to come out of September at least two and two and then start their season. That's kind of what Bill Belichick is known for. Is that first half of the season because he's experimenting he's trying things things like that and then t- they always lose that one game where everybody panics and goes oh new england's gonna stink and then come february we're watching new england and somebody else yeah as a patriots yeah. fan i see it year year in year out um the other quick thing i want to mention i know i know andy your position on Dak has been pretty pronounced and <laughs> while i agree I, I agree with you for the most part i don't think i don't know if i'd ever come a bum or a scrub but i was curious with you guys specifically jeff i'm assuming you're probably more positive on Dak than Andy is. What approximately, like what rank out of the top, you know, out of that 30 NFL teams, like approximately what rank would you guys give Dak as an NFL quarterback? Yeah. Can I go first? I'll let Jeff go first, and then I'll and then I'll respond. Because <laughs> I mean, I know we're gonna you're gonna say that you're gonna say like thirty or something, Andy. So I, I, listen, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not listen. I'm not overly. I wasn't a, a whole lot optimistic of of his performances before the season started. I thought this year he'd go back to being kind of like the Dak he was his his rookie year. I haven't really seen that. A lot of missed throws. A lot of looking like the Dak from when he was at Mississippi State, where he was a serviceable player. But I. Okay, so let me stop beating around the bush and giving the political answer and give you the real answer. I think he's a I think he's a top seventeen quarterback right now. I'll be I'll be realistic. Right. I, think, okay. I think he's a top I think he's a top seventeen quarterback right now. He yes, he misses way too many throws, but I've also seen throws hit people's hands and they drop them. So I I I think he's he's not he's not and I get why Andy treats him the way he treats him. Because when you when you look at a franchise quarterback, what you think is a franchise quarterback, it's a guy that makes everyone around him better. Even the guy that's behind him that's better than him, he should be making him better as well. I don't think Dak's that kind of quarterback. I think that that kind of, I hate to say it, that Trent Dilfer quarterback where he just needs to be there and manage everything. Does he have the weapons on the outside? No, but I still think he could do a better job of, uh, of I think him and the offensive coordinator <laughs> can do a better job of putting him in, su- in positions to succeed. You know what I mean? I don't think they do enough of that. I, I don't think they do anything across the middle that, that, that he could do. Everything that he throws is a hitch or a way downfield. It's nothing controlled. So, I don't know. Like I said, I think he's a top 17 dude. That's my opinion. Andy, go ahead and okay. tell him he's the 30-second right quarterback in the, in, the, in, the, in the league. Right. 
so okay, so you know, you had you had your piece there, and it was it was pretty, and there's butterflies and everything else <laughs> flying around your head right now. So here's here's where I look at it. Okay, there, and I look at it a little bit differently because there are some QBs that are probably in their rookie or second year or somewhere in that vicinity where I think you could probably say that Dak's a little further along than they are right now. But then again, I think the question is, would I rather have Dak or would I rather have that specific quarterback? So obviously when, when I'm talking about that, I'm referring to some of the rookies that are out there. Um, we're not even going to mention Mahomes because, I mean, he's all worldly right now. I mean, he's, he's already surpassed Dak in his first four games of his life in the NFL. But so if we looked at like Josh Allen, we looked at Josh Rosen, we looked at Baker Mayfield, we looked at uh, you know, Lamar Jackson or some of the rookies uh, that are out there, um, obviously Darnold. This is where I think the rankings for me are a little bit different because right now I would say I would rather have those guys than Dak. So no while he might be a little bit better, I think if you look down the line, they've already, I've seen some of them do something that Dak has pretty much not done to this stage of his career. I just see an extremely inaccurate quarterback. I think that there's literally maybe three or four teams in the league where I would say it's a toss-up between whether I'd rather have Dak or their quarterback. And I can pretty much name those those teams off the top of my head. So starting quarterback, I'd probably rather have Dak than Case Keenum. Um, I'm sure we're probably aligned on that one. Uh, while Keenum's had some decent moments, I'd still, I'd rather have Dak than Case Keenum. Okay. Uh, Mariota has not proven to me that he's a big-time NFL quarterback passing-wise anyway. I think that he does a lot of things that are somewhat similar to Dak, really. Uh, I think he's a lot less durable than Dak. I think it's a toss-up right now for me whether I prefer having one or the other um, on my team. And obviously, Mariota was a big-time draft pick, so the expectations are that he's going to continue to develop and get there. Uh, I think Blake Bortles is obviously... Uh, toss up. I think I'd probably rather have Dak. I, he hasn't really shown much. I think if you put Dak with the Jacksonville defense, I think he'd be able to make a pretty uh, solid run as well. Uh, and, you know, I know Bortles hasn't played great or really killed them in the playoffs, but I think I've seen some something from Dak where he could potentially kind of be up there in that conversation. But then you look down the rest of the line. Uh, you know, so a guy like Flacco, for example. I mean, I, I don't like Flacco. I've never been a f- fan of Flacco. I think I'd rather have Dak than Flacco, yet Flacco won a Super Bowl, and people will, you know, throw that in their in your face until they're blue in the face. Obviously, I'm referencing Giants fans who think <laughs> Eli Manning is, like, the greatest quarterback to ever step on a football field, despite the fact that pretty much every other starting quarterback in the past 20 to 30 years is statistically a better quarterback than Eli Manning. But he's, he's, thrown, he's, thrown, he's thrown for the most pit in the league since he's won oh, the yeah. Super Bowl. He's been awesome. He loves, right, he loves throwing it to the other team. So hey. that's one thing that I like about Dak is that Dak is, is pretty good at protecting the ball. He doesn't take a ton of chances, but if I'm being fair and if I'm looking down the teams, like I said, I, I named a few of them. Um, I'm, I'm not going to put the guys on, you know, the big-time rookie draft picks. Like, I'm not going to put Josh Allen. I'm not going to put Darnold. I'm not going to put Baker Mayfield. And I'm not going to put uh, Rosen or uh, or uh, even uh, Lamar Jackson. You know, I don't really want to completely include them in the conversation because I don't think it's fair to them. I think that those guys are first round draft picks, and I think the expectation is that they're going to be big time starting quarterbacks. So I think you kind of take them out of that. So I think to be fair, I still put Dak on the back end. I think he's still on the back end with the rest of the quarterbacks in the NFL. I think he's somewhere, probably I'd say 22, somewhere between 22 to 32. 
I think that there's a bunch of guys that you could probably put out there that you can have the conversation about. But Dak simply, from what I see, from where I stand, he doesn't make a lot of the throws that like your prototypical NFL quarterback can make. He doesn't, he just doesn't do those things for me. And I've just seen so many, so many things where he's just extremely inaccurate. And so let me, let me get my Stephen A on real quick. Okay. (laughs) Let me me get my Stephen A on real quick and and say, I don't know if this argument is going to help me or hurt me, but I think Flacco stinks. But now that he has, now that he has weapons around him, he's throwing for 300 yards every one of these games and actually looked okay. So that's what I'm saying. Like, as much as I want to say Dak doesn't, Dak isn't good or, or as much as I want to be disappointed in Dak and, and put it on Dak, who are we throwing the ball to? And like I said, you're looking, you're, my vision of, of what Dak is and your vision of what you want our quarterback to be because you're, you said it yourself. You're, you, we both grown up, diehard Cowboy fan. My father's, my father's, yeah, my father's godfather. He, he was Herb Adderley, played, played for the Cowboys and the Packers back in the day. You know what I mean? Next door to my, next door to my grandmother's house. His summer home is next door to my grandmother's house. So my father raised me a Cowboy fan. And what we were used to is Roger Staubach, making everybody around him better and winning Super Bowls. Troy Aikman, even though the guys around him might have been better than him, he controlled all of them, made all of them better, and, and they won Super Bowls. Romo, listen, I'm a huge Romo fan. I live in the Philadelphia area, so I get, I get the Romo stinks thing all the time. But then I tell him, go look at his stats now that he's done, and his stats match up with almost anybody who's played as long as he's played, and, and he has good stats. So you're, you, I understand you're looking for the guy that's going to make everybody around him better. Dak is a, is a piece to the cob. And I'm sorry, I, I believe that, that that would be our formula to win um, as him as a piece of the cob. If we had some, if we had, yeah, we do need a quarterback that could please passes on third and whatever. But we also need receivers that can catch the ball and get open on third and whatever, or know where the first down marker is on third and whatever. So I think it's the combination of Jerry Jones being our GM, which he should not be our GM. Do we all agree on that? We all agree on that. I think okay. that's fair. <laughs> so Jerry Jones being the GM, our offense isn't isn't the most creative of offenses. All these rookies that you're talking about, I mean, even down to Baker Mayfield and Hugh Jackson, they have a creative offense. We all know Andy Reid and that creative thing he has going up there. Jared Goff in St. Louis. By the way, Jerry Jones saying that the Cowboys could be what the Rams could be tells you why our, our, we need a new GM because <laughs> he doesn't get he doesn't he hasn't provided us with those kind of offensive play. So I think it's a combination of both of why Dak is the way. Is. What I will agree with is that this year is, is the year that if he does, if we don't, if we don't win nine, ten games, and he doesn't show any significant help, yes, we do need to bring someone in. I will admit that we need to bring someone in, whether we draft somebody or sign a veteran or something like that, and make him compete for his spot in the summertime. I want because we can't pay him. I don't want to pay a guy with the money quarterbacks are being paid and in the ten. That I will agree with. So, so yeah. let me ask you guys this really quick question. I know we've been comparing him against other NFL quarterbacks like currently and I actually pulled up the Wikipedia of the starting quarterbacks and I, I like Ryan Tannehill I guess maybe I might throw him I don't know where you compare those guys but I think rather than do that because that might be unfair to Dak is wait before hold on wait wait before sure, you sure, say that, on, Ryan, Ryan Tannehill <laughs> Ryan Tannehill is 10 and 2 in his last 12 start yeah, yeah no no hey, I, I agree I mean that's why I'm saying like the quality of the quarterback this day and age is just kind of high um, I guess my yeah. question was so if you look at the past I don't know 10 or 20 years uh, like let's give 10 or 15 those teams that had like your non Rogers, non breeze, not non Brady, uh, Super Bowl winning teams. So I guess I'm throwing in the, um, the Flacco's, the Eli's, uh, the Dilfer's. Do you think one is Dak 
as good as those guys? And two, is he as good relative to the money that he wants? Those are kind of two separate questions. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'll answer real quick first. Yeah, yeah. Go, go, go. Dude. Jeff will be happy with me on this one. So, yes, I think Dak is as good of a quarterback as Trent Dilfer. I think he's as good of a quarterback as Fred Johnson. Um, I, I'm going to say this. You know, I'm not sure overall because Eli's been such a, you know, durable. He's a good leader. He's a good guy. I mean, I, I like Eli as a human being. I just think he's such a doof. I mean, he's just he's just like not <laughs> when you, especially when you look at like what Peyton Manning was and you know like I mentioned basically statistically for Eli Manning I mean the guy's got a career 83 QB rating like that in this day and age in the passing era of football where you basically cannot defend players you can't defend wide receivers without getting a penalty like, yes. kind of like what Jeff mentioned earlier I mean Romo's got a 97 uh, career QB rating which is fourth or fifth all time in NFL history. I mean, we're talking mm-hmm. up here with, you know, Aaron Rodgers and Brady and, and Manning and like the best of the best. So this is why I defend Romo so much. But Absolutely. to go back at, you know, talk about Dak, Dak has been a fairly efficient quarterback. The problem I have with Dak is that he, for some reason, he just, when you, when you start throws. to see Dak throw the ball downfield and outside the numbers, he becomes extremely inaccurate. If he's, yes. if he's popping out these little slants and he's popping out these little outs and, you know, he's kind of working some of those short routes, he's pretty efficient. The problem is, when you're a Cowboys team that's so, so big on having to be able to run the ball to be successful, you've got to have a guy that can at least hit on some of those throws downfield once in a while. But to answer your question, from from my perspective, John, I do, I would rather have Dak than those guys. And, you know, for like I said, I mean, bad quarterbacks have won the Super Bowl. There are some bad quarterbacks out there that have won the Super Bowl. Eli's one of them. When all is said and done, he's going to have a ton of passing yards. He's going to be up there in the top five probably for total passing yards, but he's also going to be up there for interceptions. And so Dak is the type of player that if he can continue to control the ball, not turn it over, and he can start hitting on some of those throws downfield, I feel pretty decent about him. But until he can prove that he can kind of spread it out, I mean, he went, I think, I think 12 games, and, and I could be off by a couple games here or there, but he went something like 12 games or without, without throwing over without 200 yards for 200 yards. And I just, mm-hmm. as an NFL quarterback, it's not acceptable. I mean, yeah, you've got to be able to get the ball downfield. Yeah, absolutely right. And I mean, especially with, when you have a guy like Zeke in the backfield and teams come in putting eight, nine guys in the box, you have to complete some. And that's where I do agree with you, Andy. When he, when, when guys are running butt naked, wide open, that you have to complete that pass. And that's why when you put him on the same level as Case Keenum, at first I was like, but then what happened last night? Denver wins that game. We're talking about a completely different thing with with, with, with Denver and Kansas City last night. If he told, if he completes that ball to Demarius Thomas, who's running wide open down the sideline, you know what I mean? So yes, Dak has that in him. And if he can complete some of those passes, if he can move his completion percentage, I want to say he's around probably 57 or 58 percent. If he can move it closer to 65 percent, just that small percent makes us a way better team, especially with our defense being the way our defense is now. Are you talking about Dak? What what is Dak? Um, completion percentage right now? Yes. What's his, what's his, what's his career um, completion percentage? Or his season? Uh, I mean, I think for the season, I believe it is. For the season, he's at 61%. But, you know, with that... So here's the the interesting thing about where Dak is at, okay? So just looking at the season. So first off, the one thing I'll say is that Dak tricked us a little bit his rookie season. Um, Basically, Dak had one of the all-time great rookie seasons. I mean, as a quarterback in the NFL. And, like, that'll always be there. So 
there was just so much hype behind Dak following that season because, you know, what he did was, which I'll never, I'll still never agree with it. I will never agree with it until the day I die. But yes, Dak had a great rookie season. But when a healthy Tony Romo came back at the end of the season and you're going up against Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs, I want to see Tony Romo going against Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs because... But he won that, that game. That wasn't yeah. his fault that they completed a third and forever. He he left the field. He marches downfield and score. He won that game he, for it. Well, here's the thing. He also got behind 20 points early in the game because he, he's so bad in the first half of game okay. that he misses so many guys early in the game. And I'm telling you right now, that Green Bay team, that defense was so, so torn apart that season. Their secondary, they were down in their secondary in Green Bay. They were down to like literally pulling guys off the free agent wire because they were so beat up in the secondary. Romo would have gone out in that game and he would have picked them apart so badly that it, it, I mean, it would have never been a game. It would have never been a game. About, but we're Aaron talking Rogers. about a 13, a 13-year, 13 a 14-year veteran in, in a rookie's first season with a rookie running back behind him. I mean, right, I, yes, I'm, making, I'm making excuses for him, but that, that's the difference. Yes, if Romo was in there, I 100% do. I do think we win that game, but we're, we're talking about a veteran versus a rookie. Right, and I was, I was on, you know, I was at that game. I was sitting right behind the end zone, and I mean, it was one of the most painful things I've ever been through in my life. That field goal to end the game went right by my head, basically. And I mean, I'm just saying, when you've got a quarterback that has been of Romo's caliber, and he really became an even better quarterback at the end of his career. I mean, his final Absolutely. season, really, 2014. I mean, he picked that that uh, Green Bay team apart. I mean, that's one of the best playoff games from a quarterback. I mean, he couldn't have done much more outside of that Des Bryant catch being a catch, which it was. But the fact is, they may still they may still have lost that game because I had no confidence in our defense that season. The problem that I have right now is the fact that we finally have put together a reasonably decent defense. Our defense is probably as good right now. If our offense can control the ball, our defense is probably as good right now as it's been in, I mean, years. We can go back a long time, um, probably back to maybe the time 90s. when Romo was like a rookie or, hey, you know, maybe we had a couple decent defenses like Romo's first couple of years, but I'm not even sure. I think this defense is more complete than those teams. I Absolutely. think this defense is, is not as good. Uh, or I'm sorry. I think that this defense is as good as probably any defense we've had since the 90s, which is what you mentioned. And just mm-hmm. the fact that now we're kind of depending on Dak to be the other end of that really upsets me because, I mean, how much for how much crap we take and how much crap Romo took throughout his career, like why couldn't he have just had one or two of these defenses to just kind of – you know, get out there. So I think that's a little bit where I'm upset because now we should have been better than nine and seven last year. We should have been better than nine and seven. We were a better team than that. Our defense was a little bit better than it was the year before. Mm-hmm. And now this year, our defense is significantly better than even last year, if you ask me. So, Absolutely. I mean, I think that this team, if they could, if they could be efficient on offense and there was some bit of creativity on offense um, and Dak can do his job to kind of improve as a quarterback, that this team is a team that should be able to really make a dent and, and make a, a run at least deep into the playoffs. And, you know, there's some tough teams that are that are kind of competing in there. But um, I don't know. Uh, John, was there anything you wanted to kind of add to that? No, no. I, actually, I think you perfectly segued into our next topic. Because I was like, the Cowboys are actually, by Vegas, uh, the second favorite to win uh, the NFC East behind, obviously, the Eagles. And then just in third and fourth are uh, 
the Washington football team and uh, the New York Giants. So, do you guys feel? I mean, I don't. I mean, it looks like the NFC East is looks like the NFC East is kind of like Eagles in their own tier. Not to knock you guys, you guys seem pretty solid in that second place. And then the distant third, those other two guys. Do you guys think you guys have a chance to compete with the Eagles for the NFC East or make it in as a wild card? Can I get this one, Andy? Yeah, you can jump in there first. But like I said, being that I'm down in the area, I, I honestly do believe. Um, Eagles had Eagles started their season. Now Eagles are starting their season slow, and if there's, and if there's any season that we could we could stack and ha- play be be a regular guy, and we still make a a, 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 play, a win our division and make a playoff kind of run, is this season where Wentz isn't a hundred percent. The Eagles have a lot of injuries right now. Um, they're not clicking on all cylinders, and I think that if there's any any time, because I, I think the world of Wentz. So I think once Wentz gets upright and going, I think it's going to be tough. I think he. Covers a lot of the Eagles' mistakes and a lot of the Eagles' efficiencies. Um, not that they have many. I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be as biased as I can because I can't stand the Eagles. So I'm trying to do the right thing. Um, but if any season is the season, it's this season because you know what I mean. Like I said, we have everything in place on defense and on offense. We have the league leading rusher by a wide margin, and we have serviceable guys on the outside that can make plays. Like you said, this is this is the season that Dak has to step up. This, honestly, Dak can make his money this year if he steps. Steps up, plays well this last three quarters of the season, and 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 takes us into the playoffs. Because like I said, I, I, I even the game on Sunday night that's coming up against Houston, that's winnable. So if you if you would have told me after the first game that we beat three and two, I, it's sad to pretty much say, but I'd uh, I'd be happy with that. You know what I mean? And use that as a springboard to to try to win the division or or earn a wild card spot or whatever the case may be. Because listen, once you get into the playoffs, anything can happen. And at that and at that point, we have our quarterback. We can say our quarterback back at least had a playoff experience now. So, I don't know. I think we could win the division. I didn't think that until yesterday. I'm still on the fence with it. But at, it's more so the Eagles being down than the Cowboys being good is why I think we can make the why I think we can win the division. That's just me being honest. Okay. All right. Can I jump in there? Uh-huh. Okay. So, here's where I'm at. So, I kind of talked about it a little bit in my last rant, but I believe this Cowboys team overall has the potential to be as complete of a team as any team we've seen since the 1990s. So when we say that, our defense, I believe this is the best defense we've had probably in 20-plus years. I think that potential-wise, they'll be a lot better if our offense can consistently stay on the field and sustain drives. So that means never going three and out. Basically being able to just, you know, kind of take advantage, burn the clock, keep our guys fresh on defense. Demarcus Lawrence, um, Brandy Gregory. And our defensive line is extremely impressive, especially coming off last season. So... What Jeff said, if it comes down to whether Dak can be more of a QB that he was in his rookie season, that's for me, that's what it's going to come down to. I don't think the Eagles are as tough as they were last season. I think that they're somewhat vulnerable. Uh, and, you know, the Redskins don't scare me at all. The Giants will probably be fighting for the number one draft pick. Um, so, obviously, I don't think that they're going to be a problem. I mean, really what it comes down to is a couple things. Can Dak be that guy? And yep. can we get somebody? I think we need a legitimate, and this is a question that I want to specifically ask to my good friend Jeff because we definitely disagree about this one here. But I think the Cowboys need a legitimate red zone target. I think they need a legitimate end zone target, somebody that can overpower somebody in the end zone, somebody who can go up and make a play, which is what we generally had You know, when we had a quarterback that was – accurate and that could throw the back shoulder and who could throw the jump ball. Um, and 
I'm calling for the Cowboys to bring back Des Bryant. I want them to bring back my guy. I love Des. I know Jeff is completely on the other side of the spectrum when it comes to Des. I don't believe that Des was the villain that they made him out to be. I think that that was a creative way for the Cowboys' ownership to protect their young quarterback who was not the same quarterback that he was as a rookie. And I think if you had Tony Romo still out there throwing the ball to Des Bryant, I still believe he would be a 1,200 to 1,300-yard, 12 to 15 touchdown guy because he effectively threw the ball in those spots that Des can make plays. We all know that Des is not a great route runner. We all know that Des is not a speedster. He's never really been that. Whether he's lost a step or not, okay, you know, maybe it's debatable. But if Des Bryant is healthy and you have a quarterback that can place the ball to him in a spot that he one-on-one can make a play and go up and, and kind of make a play versus a defender who's going to be significantly smaller and weaker, I want that guy on the team. Because right now, if you look at the Dallas Cowboys, they don't have a red zone target. They don't have Jason Witten, old dependable, on the end zone anymore. I know they tried to throw a ball to Rico Gathers in this last game, and he could possibly be similar like that. But Dak threw it 10 yards over his head. And this is the problem that I have with Dak, is that when you have guys in the end zone one-on-one that can make those plays, the throw that he threw over Rico Gather's head in this game, those are the, the balls that he was throwing over Dez's head last year. And so I think the Cowboys need a legitimate red zone guy who can get up there and, you know, make tough plays in the end zone because right now we're not scoring touchdowns. Unless Zeke, you know, pounds it into the end zone or the entire defense is completely selling out to shut the, uh, you know Zeke down from getting into the end zone, which is what we saw in this last game. I mean, you know, we run a play action, that's great. Okay. Defenses are going to probably defend it a little bit differently because Dak completed a touchdown pass and you know we don't have that type of a passing game and I want the Cowboys to bring back Dez they don't have to pay him pretty much anything because they're already paying him like nine million dollars and I think we need that type of a a pass catcher but I know Jeff hates Dez so I'll I'll kind of pass it over to Jeff real quick so he can break it down on Dez (laughs) All right, a few different layers to this Dez thing All right, coming out of Oklahoma State I was the biggest Dez fan I was the biggest I was the biggest Dez fan when we picked him 25th or 26th in that draft when teams when everybody was like oh, Jerry shouldn't take him he's a problem I said no we should take him because he was a he was a, a ultra athlete one of those other planet guys over the years over the years his with the injuries that he's had to his foot and and other and his lower body injury it it took some of that explosiveness away from him that jump ball ability that 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 run after the catch because what made him good was he was Marshawn Lynch at wide receiver he kept a five yard slant and break thirteen tackles to score a touchdown. I love that Dez. I haven't seen that I, that Dez. I haven't seen since that playoff game that they said it wasn't it wasn't a catch. I haven't seen that guy play since then. And the issue that but, I have. Go ahead. I'm listening. Can I, sorry. Can I just absolutely, interject absolutely. real quick? Absolutely. What 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 is the other key difference that we're seeing since that catch? I'm, I'm addressing that. I'm, I'm, addri- I'm, 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 I'm addressing that. What was the other main difference? Because I think that that's significant. I, I, and I'm gonna address that because you're talking about his relationship with Roma now as as a wide receiver as a wide receiver I played with many a quarterbacks in my life I mean you know I played with Skip and me and Skip had the report I, I'm gonna go a little bit off base I, I play flag football I, I, I play flag football down here because I can't let the game go. I connected with a quarterback that me and him were on the same page more so than any quarterback I've ever played with in my life. And sometimes that happens. And you've seen that with, with Romo and Dez. They were on the same page. They didn't have, you can tell they were on the same page. That trusted, that Dez trusted Romo and Romo trusted Dez. I get that. Why Dak and Dez didn't have that relationship, that happened. But that's also why they brought back Butler because Dak had that relationship, that, that kind of relationship where it just worked with those two. Dak just didn't throw 
him the ball all the time. But when he did, they were efficient, and that was his highest rating. I think that's why they bought. That's why they brought Bryce Butler back because he has rapport with. He has rapport with that. He's six three. He's two twenty. So he's a big red zone body that we need. And if that flames out, you will get your wish, and and, and they bring Dez back if if he's not signing somewhere else. Because I know he had on Twitter um the other day that he plans on signing somewhere real soon. But like you can't for just like a relationship, you can't force a relationship. And for whatever reason, those two didn't click. And you're gonna side with your. And I don't care what franchise you are, unless that wide receiver is 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 is, is Hopkins or Antonio Brown or I mean even even then you're not gonna take you're always gonna take the quarterback over the receiver because you feel like you can find another receiver. I think more so than I, I think what we did our offense more injustice is the fact that okay yes maybe we shouldn't have let Des and and, and Witten go but we also we 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 missed on the free agents that we brought in because we should have went and probably signed Allen Robinson instead of Allen Hearns. Some uh, Allen Robinson is the same exact body type as Des, younger, fresher legs, and everything like that. I mean, I know everybody keeps telling me that it was impossible for us to drive Sutton where we were, but maybe we should have drafted Sutton and took the guy that we needed as opposed to the guy on defense. Now, I'm not mad at Leighton Van Der Esch, and maybe you don't take Sutton in the first round, but if that's what your team needs, a big body that's young, fresh, and everything like that, you go get that guy. So, I just think that, once again, our GM, which is our owner, I think that's the root of all of our all of our evil, because if that was, if, if, if he wasn't our GM and we had somebody who had a clear, clear outlook on what they really wanted us to do and not have, not be worried about Jerry's world and the concessions and the, what other events we're having at the stadium. That guy, that guy that, that does everything for that stadium is also our GM. So the GM job ain't even his real job. So that's the issue that we, that's the biggest issue that we have as the Cowboys. That's my opinion, because I don't think he can focus on what this team needs if he's doing ownership, owner stuff. Be an owner. Go be an owner and let and, and hire you a GM that's going to make right decisions because him being the GM is what's keeping Garrett around, which once again, I think we all want Garrett out of there and we've all wanted him out of there for the last five or six years. Am I right or wrong about that? Well, we're 100% in agreement about all that. I mean, we've all wanted as Dallas Cowboys fans who pay attention as much as we do. We're not like those guys that kind of, you know, watch the games on Sundays and then forget about it. We basically live and die the Cowboys every single day of the week and, you know, we've been saying it for years. We know that Jerry Jones is just simply not a good GM. I mean, and we have 20, I know that I mentioned this, I'm not sure if I mentioned it in conversation with you, but we have $29 million this season. For this season, $29 million in dead cap space. That is paid to players that are not on our team right now. And can you just think of the type of players that you could sign with $20, $29 million? I mean, There's a whole new wide receiver core. <laughs> and whole, I mean, we could have had we could have had the three best wide receivers in the game, probably. And, exactly. I mean, or, you know, bring in a, a defensive lineman, you bring in uh, you know, a, a, a cornerback or a safety or, you know, somebody. It would have made it easier to sign um, it would have made it easier to sign um, Earl Thomas. A legitimate defensive player. Instead, we're, you know, pressed up against the cap because we're paying $2 million for Orlando Skandrick. We're playing $9 million for, you know, Des Bryant, $9 million for Tony Romo. Like, all these guys are just aren't on the team anymore. And these are strategically terrible moves by yeah. our front office. That's what it comes yeah. down to because I guarantee you the teams that are really at the top at the top of the league are not throwing away $29 million in salary cap. But, all right, so all that being said, I think we've we've probably pretty much hit on a lot of the Cowboys. I don't know. John, did you want to take us somewhere else? Uh, no, I mean, I, I think you guys pretty much squared away. I mean, I'm thinking about the Cowboys, but, like, how you compare them to, like, the, this rookie QB class. Um, I thought we could move on to our other weekly segment where we check in with the 2018 uh, quarterback class. And uh, it didn't look too hot for them this past week, unfortunately. I mean, you got... 
I think, yeah, all four of them lost this week. Wow, that kind of sucks for them. But um, so you got Baker Mayfield, who I watched that game really closely, the Browns versus the Raiders, and I, I personally think they got cheated. But you got Baker Mayfield there. I think he went two touchdowns, two interceptions, 21 for 41. You got Sam Darnold. He lost to the Jags, 31 to 12, um, 17, 30, 17 for 34, 167 yards, one touchdown. And you got Josh Allen, who got shellacked by the Packers, 22 to zero, uh, zero TDs, two interceptions there. And then you got Josh Rosen, I believe his first start of the year, 20 to 17 versus, in my opinion, the not so great uh, Seahawks. But he went 15 for 27, one touchdown. Um, how do you think they did this week, basically? And do you? I know, I know you you had the rankings, Andy, in the order that they got drafted. So Baker, Darnold, Allen, Rosen, and um, I guess it's unlikely that 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 your your view of them will change week to week. But I uh, thought Darnold looked kind of bad. Rosen's stat line doesn't look that great. Um, Allen looks like he came off that amazing win uh, the other week. Uh, how do you think they performed this week? Yeah. So uh, basically, just looking at the uh, rundown. And the box scores here because I did get to, I get I did get a chance to uh, view a couple of the games. I got to see a lot of the Browns game because I love watching Baker Mayfield play. Um, I'm sticking with my I'm sticking with my um, current rankings because you know Baker Mayfield whether it was a loss or not. I mean 42 points. Uh, not all of it. The Browns just look different from him passing. Right. I mean they do they do. You know he looks he's still looking like a young almost like a young potential Brett Favre down the line. He's going to make some plays. He's going to make a mistake. He's kind of a slinger. He's he's getting the ball downfield. He's doing things that the Browns haven't really been able to do for years. So with the little growing pains that he's going to go through, I'm still very impressed by Baker Mayfield two games into his career. And he's still my number one rookie right now. Uh, I think Darnold and Rosen actually had um, pretty similar games. If you look at the box score, uh, they had very, very, very much rookie games. Uh, uh, Rosen was 15 to 27, 180 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions, like you mentioned. And um, I think uh, Darnold completed like 50% of his passes for with one touchdown and no interceptions. So I think you take that from your rookie quarterbacks. You're looking for those guys to be the future more so than anything. I think they're getting valuable experience. Um, so I would probably stay with. With Darnold at number two, and then um, I, I, don't, I just still like I mentioned last week. I mean, Josh Allen, I know what he is. I still think the potential is there, um, but he's on a terrible team right now. I, I just don't expect them to really be able to keep pace with a team like Green Bay. I mean, that that game is what I thought it would be. Um, and then you know we'll see what we get from Rosen. I mean, he had a better game this week than Allen, but I think when all of a sudden I still like Josh Allen. I think if he can develop and become more of an accurate passer, he's still got a ton of potential but I think it's it's still very early to be able to judge him and like I said I'll still I'm still not gonna um shy away from my guy Lamar Jackson in Baltimore I think when he finally gets the reins I like the fact that they're incorporating him into the offense a little bit more with some of the read options and some of that stuff um I want to see them let him throw the ball though I want to see them let him you know take a couple of those pass read options or whatever and, and actually take a couple shots downfield to see because he's he's a good passer he's just a little bit inaccurate and he's got to learn the offense and and the speed of the NFL, but uh, so I would still go with that ranking. I don't know. Uh, what, what do you think about these guys, Jeff? It's funny to hear you talk about. It's funny to hear you talk about Lamar Jackson, and then and then know how you feel about Dak. Because I think Dak, I think I think Lamar Jackson more explosive player, but I think Dak a better passer than Jackson. I mean, that's not saying much, but 
as far back to the original point of the question, Baker Mayfield's number one, and it, he's always been number one for me. First off, when you walk into two Division One schools in the Big 12 and become the starter and then win the Heisman Trophy, you got my respect from there. So, the, so I, I felt as though the Browns should have took, taken him number one and didn't understand why there was any question because he's the kind of guy that if I'm in the huddle, I feel like I'm going to win the game with him in the huddle because he's always he makes everyone he that's the guy that makes everyone around him bet because he makes everyone believe in themselves and he makes every one of them and the reason why he makes everyone believe in in themselves is because everybody sees the confidence he has in himself so as soon as he got in the game two weeks ago and the energy changed you can see that he's he's hands he's hands down he's he's hands down the guy for the Cleveland Browns is going to turn that franchise around where me and you differ I think the world of Rosen um I I, I actually was in Delaware with my father um this weekend and got to watch a whole lot of ball me and went to a local bar and watched a whole lot of the ball a whole lot of football and the Arizona Cardinals not once again it's not saying much but they looked way better than they did with with uh with Stan, uh what you Stan? no it wasn't Stan it was um from the, from the oh uh, yeah Bradford Bradford sorry Bradford, Bradford yes, yes I'm sorry about that yeah he looked they looked way better in his first game behind center than they did with Bradford you know what I mean um him and Der- him and Johnson completed a pass to each other he's been making Christian he made Christian Kirk him and Christian Kirk have a rapport I've, Larry Fitzgerald's a little bit banged up. He had the fact that he has Larry Fitzgerald in this huddle is going to pay dividends. And I think over over the time of this season, you'll start to see that he's that second quarterback and Darnold's that second. Third. Like I, I don't think Rosen and Darnold are far off. You can kind of flip them back and forth. I just think Rosen's going to be a little bit better. And 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 I, 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 I the way my rankings would go would probably be Baker, uh, Rosen, Darnold, and I think Lamar Jackson's going to be good. I'm not a big fan of Allen. Almost for the same reasons you're not a big fan of that. He's not accurate. But with Allen, his whole issue is that he's known for his arm and that he can throw it 90 yards or whatever they say he can throw it. But I I don't care about him throwing it 90 yards. I want to know, much like you see with Mahomes, can he can he can he throw the short stuff? Can he add touch to it? What, what separate Mahomes from a lot of these guys, even just in the NFL in general, is that yes, he can throw it through a brick wall. But we just seen him last night complete passes with his left hand that 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 had to have a little bit of touch on it. Um, you've seen him complete passes across the middle on the outside, on the outside, which is, are the NFL throws and things like that. I need to see that a little bit more from Josh Allen, even though he's big and he's strong and this and the other thing. When you come into the league with, when you come into the league with under 50, like around a 50% completion rate in college, that throws up red flags for me. So everybody else, I kind of, I kind of like because as much, even though Lamar Jackson's complete completion percentage wasn't as high as Allen, he offers something completely different because when he gets out on the edge, if you miss a tackle, that could go 90 in the air or it could go 90 on the ground. So you kind of give up that completion percentage for an explosive quarterback if that's if that's not Akimura. You know what I mean? Sure. So let me let yeah. me ask you guys this question. Um, and I think in the past your position has been, you know, obviously NFL's <laughs> ultimate team sport and the coach is a bigger part in football than other sports. So like no matter how good these guys are, it's gonna be a reflection of how good their their team is. So Right now, if you look at these four teams of the rookie quarterbacks, um, again, ignoring Lamar Jackson for now, um, you got the Browns with the best record out of them at 1-2-1, and one, the Jets and the Bills at 1-3, and three, and then obviously the Cardinals at 0-4. Do you think their respective teams minus their quarterbacks are also in that ranking? So would you say, like, minus their quarterbacks, would you say it's the Browns and then the Jets or the Bills and then the Cardinals in terms of talent yeah. and coaching? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that the I think the Browns and the Jets are fairly similar in that they're neither, neither of them are particularly good teams, but I think that the Browns have a ton of talent. So I mean, Promise. the Browns could win games. I knew that they have. I knew that there's like a lot of potential for the Browns to be decent. Um, the Jets are still not a very good team, uh, but I think what you're seeing with the Bills and the Cardinals is that they're just really bad teams. Uh, so I, I think that I would probably go Browns first, Jets second. Uh, uh, Cardinals third, and then Bills fourth. I just think that when all is said and done, that's probably where they're going to um, end up at the end of the season. I think the Browns are going to continue to be competitive. I mean, I think that they're going to give teams a lot of trouble. They could win some games this year. Uh, well, I mean, a few, a few a few bounces here and there, and they're, they're 4-0 or 3-1 and or something like that. You oh, know absolutely. What I mean? Yeah, so, I mean, they missed their, their kicker cost in the first two games. Yes, yes, absolutely. Actually, let me, let me ask you guys this quick follow-up question. So my, my question was, you, uh, Jeff, you mentioned about the, like, the leadership of the quarterback, especially Baker. And I was surprised when he got picked first. I think just because some of the other guys were touted more, and I think a lot of people have knocked Baker's height. But that doesn't change how I felt about Baker, again, seeing how he performed in college as a big Baker fan. Um, and I, th- I thought it was unfair with the Manziel comparisons in some, some regards, like that he's a troublemaker. But I was trying to think about the quarterbacks in recent history. So, like, you got Trubisky, where I think people more or less drafted him based on just his height and his skills. Like you said, Jeff, like just because he can throw it really far, et cetera, et cetera. But then on the flip side, you got someone like Winston, who I think I was a fan of Winston in general, but then I didn't know about his leadership. And then people just say the huddle and everything, like he's, he's, he's a great leader, makes everyone around him better. So like Winston specifically, do you think someone like him has just been somewhat um, surprisingly not doing well with his leadership and making his teammates better around him? Or is it more all that off the field stuff compared Can to something? I, you might, I, I honestly, 100%, I wasn't a fan of Winston when he was at Florida State. Um, Ninety percent of that Florida State team is is in the league right now and starting. So I don't think I don't think it was a case of him making it better. I mean, it's, it's kind of easy when you're handing it to Freeman and throwing it to Benjamin. Um, yes, he had to do it though. I get that. But Winston, I was never when they were coming out. I I wanted Tampa Bay to grab Mariota. Now Mariota hasn't been setting the world on fire either. But that rah rah stuff doesn't mean stuff if if you're being a knucklehead. When you're a quarterback, you got to be a CEO. And I mean, the, the the team looks up to you. You're running back. You're wide receivers, especially when they're rookies and, and first-year players, when they come in, they look up to you. And when you've come in, when you've come in and you've gotten a little petty trouble, you're like, he's not even he, – he, his situation – I mean, yes, the, the thing with the Uber driver, that's serious. But, like, the crab leg, the, 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 the yelling obscenities in their quad at their school, like, things like that. I can't follow a guy like that. When you think your quarterback's a clown, I don't, I don't consider that a leader. You can give me all the rah-rah stuff you want to give me on Sundays or whatever the case may be, but I mean, I've been in a locker room. Andy, you've been in a locker room. I'm, I'm sure you've been around the locker room, um, my, my friend. But when someone's not genuine, you you feel that. That when they played the Saints last year and he did the eat the W thing, that exposed who he was and that he was like a fraudulent leader. I don't, I, I, like I said, I don't consider him somebody that makes everyone better. Personally, I would have kept Fitzpatrick at quarterback for the rest of the year. I'm not a believer in Winston. That's just me. Okay, uh, Andy, just let me quick follow up question. I actually, I'm, I'm gonna say both, but I, I guess I was just going from how the media was, you know, they, they always like zoom in on his huddles and stuff like that and all his speeches. But, but I actually agree with you. I thought he was kind of a fraud myself. I guess on this topic, I'm trying to think of people who, you know, Baker Mayfield gets knocks with all these things. Like he's like Manziel, he's short like Drew Brees and all these knocks where you see just from his performance, like what a leader he is. So I guess I'm trying to think in this, this specific QB class, it was so highly touted. 
I guess I'm just thinking in past drafts for like the line earth and some other mishits where who, like Phil Belichick's known for like picking talent. And so I guess I'm trying to look at other highly drafted quarterbacks that show something that they are going to do well since the quarterback position is so important. So then the only one else that comes to mind for me is like Deshaun Watson, where it seems like he's going to be home run hit just because of like, I'm an Alabama fan, like how he leads Clemson over Alabama. Like I, I'd like to think he has some Baker in him. Do you think that's a fair comparison? Do you think his future is bright? Yeah, I think Watson's future is bright. Right. I I just think he uh I think Watson Watson's downfall in his career I think he's just going to be injury prone. He was that when he was at Clemson and he's been that now with one season at, at well now this is his second season but with last year he got hurt when he was with Houston. His style of and they're trying to do and you can tell that he's struggling right now a little bit because he's trying to stay in the pocket which isn't his game. I mean yes he was he's never one of those take off and run guys all the time but it's, his athleticism is what makes him him. The fact that you have to put a guy that spies him and but he can throw and make that read that if you do have a guy that spies him he knows how to call an offense to get you in a position where somebody can succeed so yes i think he can be i think he's going to be very good i think he's going to be a good quarterback for a while but i just hope that injuries don't become who he is which we've seen that happen with other quarterbacks before for sure yeah i mean i pretty much agree with just about everything uh, jeff said about all the quarterbacks there um i think kind of what he alluded to about the quarterback in the locker room and and I guess just how the quarterback in general is viewed by the rest of the team. I mean, the quarterback has got to be that guy that the rest of the team looks at and is like, this is what we are. I mean, you want your quarterback to be like the first guy in it's a, it's a you know, start the day, the last guy out at the end of the day. You know, he's you know, he's, working. he's the CEO. He's working harder, you know, than everybody. And there's a reason that he's that guy. And, you know, that's one of the things where I really do give Dak a ton of credit. I mean, I think that I say this all the time. With Dak, the problem I have with him is simply his, his accuracy and his passing ability. I don't know if it's there. But what I will say about him is that the guy is a tremendous leader. He's a tremendous, you know, team guy. Everybody loves him. I mean, he's he says the right thing all the time. He, you know, basically does all the right things. And he's that type of, uh, you know, uh, leader on the team. And, and to kind of put it out there, you know, I watched Hard Knocks with James Winston. And I was a little bit more impressed with him uh, than I was prior to seeing that. But still, I think that, um, you know, that's You can't a forget his past. Thing. You can't forget the, the things that he's done in his past. So when you see Jameis okay. Winston, when you see Jameis Winston, you see crab legs, you see yelling out obscenities, and you see an Uber dude. You don't see a quarterback. It, it, as bad as Dak plays, when you see Dak, he looks polished. He looks like the quarterback. He looks like, I'm sorry, your quarterback has to be the coolest guy in the room. And, and you and, and the, the quarterback being the coolest guy in the room, some like some people feel some type of way about Cam Newton, but that defense respects him. His offense definitely respects him. And that's where the quarterback having that image and his words meaning something and it not being, it not coming across across his fake or rah-rah means the most to a team because if, if you look at your quarterback in the utmost respect if you have the, if that if your football team has the highest respect for your quarterback your defense plays harder because they're like hey let's put the ball back in Aaron Rodgers hands you know what I mean your offense your, your, your wide receivers run better routes because they, they feel like they don't want to let the quarterback down um, your offensive line blocks harder because they want to protect their boys the running back he, he doesn't leak out as opposed to he doesn't leak out he, he blocks that linebacker that's coming as opposed to leaking out and saying hey, dump it to me. You know what I mean? Like, your quarterback being the CEO lists the whole team. That's what he, that, and, and that's why I understand when you say you want to see Dak complete passes and make it better because imagine if our team actually played with confidence knowing that Dak is going to do that. That's what helped us that our first year. Everything confidence-wise, 
lives is going the right way. So even though our defense wasn't as good as it should be, everybody played their hardest because, oh, shoot, that came in his, freshman, his rookie year and, 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 and Zeke came in his, fresh, his rookie year and both of them balled out and went crazy. We don't want to let those – we don't want to want those guys' special fresh rookie years to go out the window. So everybody played hard. Now it's kind of like because everybody's uncertain of, of that, everybody's – I'm not saying everybody's not giving a good effort, but when, when you when – you, Andy, you played on our team that was that Westcon team that we talked about from 2001. We played, we played on that team together. How hard was it that year knowing that our defense was an all-world defense and our offense was all new? Yeah. Oh, it's tough. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's one of those adjustment things where, you know, you get used to, especially coming off of uh, some of the prior seasons where we had, like, all-world quarterbacks, you know. And, exactly. Uh, it's, yeah, it's a big difference. And, and I agree with you on a lot of that. I, I think that, like I said, my, my beef or whatever it is is really just – off of the pure passing and it's whether flat. he can get, get there. It. and But I do, you know, I love the guy as a, as a leader and, and those things, and I agree with you on a lot of that. Um, so that brings us pretty much to the main topics I wanted to hit on with you today, Jeff. So if if you're good with it, we will... Uh, I got a few more minutes. To your, you got a few more minutes? Yeah, All I got right. a few more minutes. Was there anything else specific you wanted to hit on real quick before before we let you hop, hop on out of here? Um, nah. I mean, you kind of talked about the Cowboys. You talked about the NFC East. Um, I'm just, I won't I, mention. I'm just, did you I'm see just the news with. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. Go, go, go. I see the news with who? Yeah, with Dez. So I guess, I guess he came out. I'm not sure if it was a tweet or whatever, but tweeted that he wanted to rejoin the Cowboys. So we'll see if there's any more news on that over the next couple of days. I'll be pretty excited. But. Uh, I'd be pretty Listen, happy. Listen, if, we, if, we, sign, if we sign Dez, it's not like I'm going to be like, oh, my God, I'm mad, I'm upset. Yeah, I just want him to come in with the right attitude and, and, and be the right kind of player. I, that's all I want. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know me. I run my mouth just as much as he does. And I understand I understand his outburst on the sidelines. But I have Amazon Prime, and they had the Dallas Cowboys on a, on a show there. And on that show, he showed up to meetings late. He, he was disrespectful in meetings. He was disrespectful to people in the building. Those are things that aren't fabricated. Those are those are things that aren't being said by Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones and 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 Fredericks that that and Sean Lee. Those guys. Those are yes. Those guys said what they said about Des, but that's on film. I mean, we, we we like I said, we've been in a locker room. We played football before. That and one of the biggest sayings in football is the eye in the sky never lies. And I'm and at this point, I'm I'm talking about off the field, not even not even his his stuff on the field. It's just off the field in the building when you're not nice to the. The janitor, just because he's a janitor, that that makes you that makes you a different kind of person to me. And for Des to be to be a, as demonstrative as he is, and and be as a non-leader, if you're supposed to be a leader, you're supposed to be a leader in every way. So you're supposed to be at your wide receiver meeting on time. You're supposed to be attentive in your wide receiver meeting, not like disengaged, not not wanting to be there, I, not falling. This you're a professional. You get paid to do this now. So that's my biggest. Maybe I'm so hard on Des because it was a letdown to me because, like I said, I was Des's biggest fan coming into everything. You know what I mean? Coming coming out of Oklahoma State. And I thought he could have had a career like, like a Des Bryant or even an Andre Johnson or somebody like that. You know what I mean? That was around for, with us, one team, for 10 to 12 years and, and, and was effective. Yes, I understand how you feel about Dak and how Dak threw it, throw, throws it to him or whatever the case may be and that those guys weren't on the same page. But you in the building, I mean, listen, Andy, you see me back at school. When did you ever 
never see me not smiling, not laughing, not joking. You know what I mean? That that that. I mean, like I said, I'm not saying he had to be a he had to be a a, a fraudulent, put on something fraud and, and smile just for the team or anything like that. You could be the the nose to the ground grinder guy that's no nonsense or whatever the case may be. I'm talking about the meetings and how you talk to your coaches and how you how you how you talk to other players and everything like that. It, it, he he just he was he rubbed people the wrong way in the building. And I don't care what job you had. I don't care even if I don't care what job you have, what profession you're in. If you rub enough people the wrong way in your building, they're going to get rid of it. If I if I rubbed you guys the wrong way on this, you guys will never invite me back. But I hope you guys invite me back next week. <laughs> well, we'll get you back on for sure, man. I mean, no, this has been great. So uh, I don't disagree with you on a lot of that. Like I said, uh, you know, there's a few things that obviously I think if he came back, he'd be a, he'd have to be a choir boy because he knows that he doesn't really have that. He doesn't really have that uh, long leash that he probably thought he had being a big time draft pick and all that stuff and some of the things. So hopefully if they bring him back, he becomes that type of guy that you want to have on your team. So we'll have to see. But with that, man, we are going to let you go. We'll let you I appreciate uh, it. get home to your beautiful family and say hi to everybody for us. But we will definitely I- look forward to having you back on the show. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you guys. Have a good Thanks, one, guys. Guys. Take care, uh, man. All right, man. Thank you. Yep. All right. So, so, Andy, now we're on to our quick hit portion. This is where we try to wrap up your views on each topic, probably a minute or less, but just quick in and out versus our big topics. Uh, so first quick hit, best game of the week. I know you watch just about every football game. A lot of close games, a couple of OT games. Uh, what did you think was the best game of the week? All right. I went back and forth on this one. Uh, there was a few really good ones this week. Um, I think between, I think for me, it was between the Cowboys game, the Browns game, game and probably the Atlanta Cincinnati game. Uh, for me, I, li- I really liked the Browns game. I thought that they- they're just entertaining me this year. I'm going to go with them. I think that I was hoping the Cowboys to beat up on, on the lines a little bit more. So for me, watching Baker Mayfield and kind of going through Oakland, for me, that was probably the best game. It's weird. I don't, I, I, I actually agree. It's weird. My, my logic is somewhat weird because I think the Bengals and the Falcons are probably better quality teams and the Falcons more recently to the Super Bowl. So they they have a higher chance to get to the Super Bowl versus Browns of the Raiders. But I think with Gruden, you know, everyone likes to watch like uh, a, a train crash go slowly. Like they're just waiting for it. I, I, I was kind of rooting for Gruden to go uh, winless and I was rooting for Baker Mayfield. That didn't happen. But regardless, it ended up being a good game. Um, got a lot, a lot of questionable calls on top of that. But yeah, I agree with you there. Um, next topic, speaking of overtime, speaking of ties, again, that Browns Raiders game arguably could have ended in a tie, which would have been amazing. I don't remember the last time an NFL team had two ties in a season. Um, so I don't remember if it was this year or last year with NFL switch from 15 minute overtimes to 10 minute overtimes. Um, I thought that I, I thought there was a rule change that made more overtimes, but that wouldn't have made sense even with the roughing the passer calls. Obviously, that wouldn't make games end in more more ties. So I looked back in 2017, there were about five ties through four weeks. This year, we're at six ties. So again, just about the same. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. There were five overtimes through four weeks uh, last year. There were six overtimes through uh, four weeks this year. But six of the overtimes this year have resulted in two ties. Uh, you could argue that's from the 50 minutes going down to 10 minutes um a lot of people talking about ties again as uh, as americans who don't like soccer in general not a fan of the ties um how do you feel about that with the overtimes and the ties um 
I will say Stephen A. He he's you know he said play till you drop, which doesn't sound good for a sport where they're talking about concussions and injuries. Uh, Bill Simmons had an interesting point of view where no punting. So then people like feast or famine. So if you're in, if you're on your own twenty, you go for it on fourth down. The other team gets a good advantage. Um, what are your thoughts about overtimes and um, ties? Yeah, so I'm I'm probably a little bit closer to the Stephen A. Uh, only, except for you know I don't want to say that playing until you drop. I think football is such an extremely physical sport that I mean I just don't think you can reasonably have guys stay out there much longer than they do. Uh, but I, I almost feel like there's nothing more un-American than a tie. Like, I hate it. I cannot stand seeing a tie in sports. Like, there's got to be a winner. There's got to be a loser. Like, I don't care how you get there. But for me, you've got to get there somehow. So what I what I think, I, you can look at some of those little minor changes, I guess, where, uh, you know, no puns. Okay, something like that sounds good because you do put yourself, you expose yourself a lot more, obviously, if you're the first team to get the ball, that if you don't get downfield somewhat, you're probably probably in a lot of trouble. Uh, but also, I think you could maybe look at the potential of removing like an extra point or, you know, making a team go for two uh, right away. Like if they score, because it's a lot harder, I guess, to, you know, potentially get that two-point conversion. So I think that there's ways that they can kind of mess around with the rules in overtime and make it something that would ultimately decide the game. Um, but I guess that's kind of where I stand. I don't want to see a tie. I don't care if you have to get into a field goal, like, as a last resort into a field goal kicking contest where they're, you know, guys are letting it go from 55 yards out. I don't care. I just don't think that a tie does anything positive for the game. That's just me. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Um, I, I, when someone was educating me about the hockey rule changes where they shifted away from shootouts to more time, but just taking a player less on each team so there's more space to get, you know, fast break, et cetera. I thought that was great because, you know, the, that person's argument was, you know, when you're doing a shootout, that's such, that's such not a part of hockey in, t- in terms of the way your team's constructed. It's like you don't necessarily have a specialist on your team just for, the, for that sole reason. So you want to still have the, um, the genuine part of the game so you're still playing but just one less person so to your point yeah i mean i I want resolution ultimately but i still want my football and it's determined i want an outcome win or loss but um i think we agree there um speaking of a game that was nowhere near overtime um my patriots i was super close to maybe placing a small wager but i wasn't sure when the bottom was going to be for the patriots and i could imagine no bottom than if they went uh what one in three with uh with with the Miami Dolphins in their own division going four zero, and I thought you know this would be where they you know really cling together and try for something, but they didn't need to because they absolutely whooped the Dolphins. Um, Josh Gordon's first week, and then we get Edelman next week. Do you think? I know you you said never take a game week to week, but um, do you think something sparked in the Patriots? Do you think this was just bad matchup for the Dolphins, or what do you take away from that game? I told you, man, you just got to trust your boy. I never thought that the Patriots, I mean, uh, for me, the Patriots were going to be the Patriots sooner rather than later. I mean, it, they, they sometimes get off to a slow start. They may get smacked in the mouth by somebody that wasn't supposed to smack them in the mouth. But the fact is, the Patriots are going to become the Patriots at some point. As long as Belichick and Brady are there, this is what you're going to probably see from them. Uh, you know, and I think the biggest, the biggest loser in the world right now this week is, you know, probably feeling 
showing that they're the Miami Dolphins because here's a team that's had that opportunity to kind of solidify their standings in the AFC East, you know, in first place and uh, really should have kind of put the Patriots in a tough spot early on there, you know, I mean, record-wise anyway. And they go into um, (laughs) this game and just get completely annihilated. I mean, everything that you thought about the Miami Dolphins completely changed after seeing this game. So it's a sad week for them. I mean, they came in 3-0, and right? And the New England Patriots, 1-2. and This could have been a big-time table turner. And instead, I mean, the Dolphins looked like they were a last-place caliber team. And I don't think that they're that. But it'll be interesting to see how they recover from this one. I should have known better. And Bill, we trust. Um Speaking of which, uh, so I caught that Seahawks-Cardinals game. Oh, actually, I'll admit, I obviously didn't watch it. But then coming out from that game, seeing um, – I know I've been following kind of the deterioration of the Legion of Boom coincidentally ever since that uh, that interception by the Patriots in that Super Bowl. But slowly, piece by piece of that team has been kind of going away. Um, and, you know, you have that Earl Thomas uh, kind of complaining about his contract, and he's kind of that last piece of that Legion of Boom. Um and then, you know, he flips the bird on his team after, uh, I think it's a season-ending injury. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, kind of, I kind of feel what he's going through, but uh, I don't know. You don't really want to flip the bird to your own team. I guess he has, he's had some struggles with his team and I think potentially wanting to get traded or leave his team. But uh, what did you make of that, him flipping the bird to his own team? Yeah, I mean, I have a major problem with it because, I mean, first off, I'm not sure if he was necessarily flipping it to his team or the franchise in general. I think, I think if you hear from like his teammates I think a lot of his teammates kind of understand that he wanted to get you know a redone contract this whole thing like just bothers me I you don't first off I mean you're a professional NFL football player you shouldn't be flipping anybody off on the field I mean you're making millions of dollars you're about to get another contract where you're going to make more more and more millions of dollars Uh, I mean you got to conduct yourself better than that number one Uh, number two part of this in my mind was almost self-inflicted I mean he's the one that kind of went over to the Cowboys coach last season, uh, Jason Garrett, after the game and said, come and get me. So, I mean, when you're a player that's under contract with a team, I don't think there's anything worse to do to your teammates or in your team than to walk over to the other side and say, I want to go to you guys. I don't want to be here anymore. So for me, I've got a lot of issues with kind of Earl Thomas's role in that entire scenario. Now, I understand the guy wants more money. He's been one of the best safeties in the league. I get all that. But now, if I wanted Earl Thomas on my team, before because he's such a great football player. I'm not so sure of it because, you know, behind closed doors, I don't know. What kind of a teammate are you? What kind of a professional are you in the locker room and, and with the team? So I, I just, I understand the Seahawks uh, stance on that in this salary cap age. And I know I've mentioned it before. In the salary cap age, you have to be very careful with where you allocate your money. You can't just throw millions and millions of dollars at this guy without it being taken away from the next guy. And here's a guy who's approaching, I believe, 30 years old. He's had a couple very significant injuries now at this stage. Uh, I think he, he had a broken tibia last uh, a couple of years ago, whether it was last year or the year before, and then now he broke his leg. This is what he did this year, and he's, he is out for the season. So, I mean, those are very severe injuries, so I'm not sure if he comes back and is the same player that he's been. Obviously, the shelf life for NFL players is already, uh, you know, a lot shorter than a lot of other sports. So, that's kind of where I stand with it. I just think that you don't do that, and I, I'd have an issue, especially if I'm a team that's looking to sign 
uh, Earl Thomas coming off this injury as to, I'm not sure exactly, I guess, what his market value is now. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I, it stood out to me, but then again, I, I knew all his qualms, but um, still I thought it was a little unprofessional. Um, so talking about Trubitsky and the Bears, uh, personally, I, I, I've never been a huge Trubisky fan, just not, not negative. I just didn't know much about him. And um, to, to qual- actually, I'll take that back. I didn't know. I didn't, it didn't sound like there was enough to justify the trade and him getting drafted so high. Um, so I, I didn't know what to expect of him um, in his short early career, but uh, he has this amazing half in game against, albeit the Bucks. Um, I will say, looking at the Bucks previous, well, I mean, they've had some high-powered offensive against them. I think the Eagles, the Saints, uh, the Steelers. So I, I don't know how good their defensive is. Maybe they just had a bad run of all these um, offensive juggernauts playing them. But with the Bucks, I mean, I'm sorry, with the Bears, um, I think they've only put up like 24 and 16 points the last couple of weeks. So this. Uh, this offensive juggernaut this past week. Do you think this is Trubisky feeling more comfortable with his offense? Do you think this was just a bad matchup between the teams, or what do you make of this game? I think what it comes down to is, I mean, I wasn't really sure about Mitch Trubisky coming into the season. I mean, you know, he was kind of so-so last year as a rookie, uh, which is to be expected, I think, to some extent. And he was drafted earlier than I believe he was projected to be drafted, so we weren't really sure, I guess. The Bears really kind of jumped through a bunch of hoops to get him, which when the draft when the Bill, uh, Bears drafted him, it didn't really make any sense what they did there because, you know, they had gone out and signed a, a free agent quarterback that was supposed to be their starter. And then they end up trading their draft pick to go down to get Trubisky, who they probably could have gotten in their normal draft slot. So that was really weird in the first place. But I guess after seeing what they are right now, I think you got to be fairly impressed by Trubisky. I mean, he's looked pretty good. Obviously, that game was, that's not going to be the norm. I don't think he's going to do that every week. But I think the impression part is that you got to really start looking at the Bears defense and what they've uh, kind of become with uh, Mac coming over in the trade and I'm glad I picked up the Bears defense on my fantasy team because uh, <laughs> they've been kind of carrying me the past few weeks. I mean they're just they are looking like a really really good unit and you know right now the Bears 3-1 uh, 111 points for only 65 points against uh, their defense and at this point I mean I think you got to ask the question are they legit they might be. I mean, their defense, if your defense is capable of getting to the quarterback as much as they are, and you can put up some points, I mean, their only loss, let's remember, the, the Bears' only loss to this point was that game that they kind of blew against Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. And uh, it, that that game very well could have been a win for the Bears. And just, you know, turns out that Rodgers became Rodgers late in the game again and kind of shocked them after the Bears had a pretty big lead. So I, I'm pretty impressed by the Bears. I, I don't know if they'll kind of sustain it the entire season, but this, at this stage, I'm definitely very impressed by him. Yeah, that NFC North is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, ignoring the Lions, I mean, the Vikings, the Bears, the Packers, like, uh, that seems like a pay-per-view event every week those those guys play. Um, right, well, the you know, even the Lions, I mean, <laughs> if you look at who the Lions played at this point, I mean, you know, they beat who was their one, who was the one win that they had? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this is yeah, the, fair, the, fair, one, the one win that the Lions had. I mean, you'd actually think that <laughs> They're relatively respectful. I mean, they got destroyed by the Jets in week one. We'll throw that one out the window because it's week one. Um, kind of tight game with uh, the 49ers, and I believe Garoppolo was playing there. So that was a tight game. And obviously beating the Patriots at any time. Sure. So we'll, then, we'll have to see. And then a close one with you guys, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, we'll see where they go, but could kind of go either way with them. 
Uh, next quick hit. Um, Browns robbed by the refs versus the Raiders. Again, uh, this, I think, Eastern time. This was only 4 o'clock game that I was watching. Um, yeah, it totally blew my mind watching that game real time. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe slightly rooting against Cruden and uh, that ridiculous contract that he got um, for him to be winless and that stupid trade he made. And then, of course, rooting for Baker Mayfield. Um I was watching real time and I was kind of blown away by the call. You know, you see the Fox. Um, I, don't know if, I think I think it was on CBS. From no, no, I think it was Fox. Um, you see Joe Buck and then I think their little um, referee commentator standby guy. Everyone was shocked that uh, they reversed that call. I think it was the first down call. Um, I, I think they got cheated. Uh, what did you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I look at it the same way. And the just the weird thing about the NFL replay is that it's become so controversial that like, I feel like it wasn't supposed to be a soap opera. You know what I mean? I feel like the NFL like didn't make the instant replay an option so that it would be a weekly soap opera. But that's really what it's become because as the average fan watches, you think that the rule is one thing and then you find out like what's been clear clear as day in front of your eyes for your entire life just completely gets changed at the blink of an eye. I mean, we go all the way back, obviously, to some of the terrible catch calls that were reversed. You know what I mean? Whether it was Calvin Johnson, Des Bryant, or, you know, whoever. Um, but this is what's become. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sitting there. Every time there's a replay uh, review, I'm sitting there holding my breath because I don't know what's going to be said no matter how clear what I see is. So, yeah, I think it was a tough break for them. I think that uh, I think that they kind of got on the wrong end of it this week yeah no i agree with you coming from like an nba fans perspective where replay is creeping in more and more and it's just it's getting annoying um yeah i i agree with you like the dramatic moments are watching the replays and even you can hear the crowd cheering kind of watching the replays and then you hear the big cheers the big boos um it gets a little annoying takes you out of the flow of the game um every big play you're not you don't have a conclusion you just wait for them to replay it and then give a conclusion um i will say the business side of me i guess i can sort of understand if it drags out the game they have more spots for more ads maybe but definitely from an enjoyment of the product and a fan's perspective it uh it does take away from it especially when they get it wrong um or so blatantly wrong but um because this is a sports podcast and not a football podcast i will leave the last quick hit let's talk baseball um so my red Sox are sitting comfy in the playoffs already your yankees um this today we're recording on tuesday october 2nd so they play this one game uh wild card game tomorrow and that's the yankees versus the a's i believe the starting pitchers are for you guys Saravino versus Hendricks on oakland which i'm not too familiar with his work but uh how do you feel about this game? Who do you think? Uh, I, I know Vegas has the Yankees as a two-to-one favorite, but um, how do you feel about your Yankees coming into this game? Yeah, you know, it's, it's scary because obviously with the new wild card rules, which they changed up well, the past couple seasons, I believe it was. So originally, like when the Red Sox won the World Series, for example, uh, they were, as a wild card, you're the, the top wild card um, that wins the wild card automatically goes into that first round. Now, this new thing, which is pretty interesting, I think it keeps more teams involved later in the season where the number one wild card plays the number two wild card in this do or die one game playoff at the location of the team that was the number one wild card if all that makes sense but so what we come down to is man baseball is scary because any team any team can win any game on any given day it's it's not like it's not like football where that you may you may have like a major mismatch you know and you just know that this one team is going to win i mean severino starting for the yankees been a little bit inconsistent 
this year. Um, he could go out there and, you know, the A's score five runs on him off the, right off him in the first inning, and that's it. <laughs> it so you just don't know. Uh, I'm hoping that Severino kind of makes me feel a little bit better early on. Hopes he gets, I hope he gets through the first inning with, with no issues. Um, but I, I got to say, I'm a little bit scared. I think I would have probably I would have probably preferred either Tanaka or Hap to, to start this one. Um, Severino just hasn't been great in these postseason games to this stage of his career. So I don't know. So for you as a Yankees fan, do you feel like this is a championship or bust? Like anything less than that, you'll consider the season a failure or? Uh, I mean, that's generally how you feel as a Cowboys fan or as a Yankees fan because, you know, they're, they're especially just history-wise, it's like that's what you expect from them to be there like in the in the World Series and winning a World Series. Usually when they got there, they won them. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess I always kind of feel that way. But coming off of last season, which was the ultimate shocker because they had so many young players, um, that was a good feeling. I think when they got eliminated last season just before going to the World Series, I think I was able to kind of like still be somewhat happy with what they did. This year, you're right. I, I come in with a little bit more. I'm like, all right, we got to be better. We've got some better players this year. We have a couple more of our big time rookies came up. And I don't see why we should not expect them to go and at least be in the, in the uh, World Series this year. So for me, I'm saying it's if they don't win it, it's a bust. That's that's where I've got to go with it. So yeah, I uh, I think I think it's a Boston sports. <laughs> I am more or less the same way. Um, I know based on these new uh, the new baseball playoff system, the wild card. I'll definitely be tuning in tomorrow. Um, possibly rooting against the Yankees because I'm a little scared of them, but uh, I'll be just for a great game regardless. Um, that's all the time we have this week. Uh, I want to thank our guest, Jeff. He was a great um, co-host this week. My name is John Lee. And I'm Andy Benzwick. You can reach out to us at Be Nice Andy on Twitter, Instagram, and Be Nice Andy on Facebook. And I'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye.